I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome, everyone, to the Midweek FTSE Show. Uh, normally, this is a show where we take some of your questions and tell you what we're thinking about them. Occasionally, we use this as a kind of overflow show from our main Sunday show. And that's what we're doing this time. We've got a couple of bits that we didn't quite get to with Paul on the show. Um, we thought we'd just pick up on some of those here because we've got some short... some thoughts that we'd like to share with you um so a few places in here steve should we start with the kind of uk news we got some news from free trade which is one of the uh free trading or investing apps that we've uh, talked a little bit about in the past uh it's kind of good news and there's kind of bad news here where do you want to start um it's probably best to start with the positive news i think um we was interested to see that uh, Free Trade had um, started its expansion out into, or continuing its, ex- its expansion into the um, into the EU. Uh, it looks like it's got a license now to operate in Sweden. Um, mm-hmm. That's uh, that's pretty positive. Um, I think um, it's a pretty good move for them. I think it's, it's it's good good to have competition. I think it keeps trading two on two on its tours, and I think that's probably what we'll gain out of it as trading two on two customers is that um hopefully it helps trading two on two sort of refocus and redouble on 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 innovating on the products that they are innovating on um is there any thoughts on that steve anything to yeah i think it's encouraging for broadly the same reasons you do it doesn't affect us directly neither of us has significant money tied up in free trade we've both been i think pretty open about the fact that we prefer trading two on two uh, yep. right now um, with different degrees of, I guess, force and strength and so on and so forth. But I think it's nice to see this as a kind of move that's taking hold. It'd be nice to see this push 212 along a little bit, and it's nice to see that them doing that kind of thing as possible, hmm. uh, I think. Um, it's kind of... Uh, so... Nothing ruins a nice story like a kind of off-colour tweet, right? Um, yeah. There's encouraging stuff here going on from the business. It's really good to see... Uh, but we were looking at that tweet earlier from Adam Dodds, who I think is the Free Trade CEO. He is, yeah. As I understand it, yeah. Uh, so he was announcing the good news that Free Trade is now officially Swedish, um, which is, I thought, quite a nice way of announcing that. Saying the rest of the Europe is coming. Uh, you two, Ukraine might just take a bit longer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not quite sure I'd have gone down that particular route myself on that one. I mean, I'd just probably just pop the good news out there and give people a chance to take their mind off things a little bit. <laughs> we talked on the main show about how we want to try and keep these things separate in our heads a little bit. Um, uh, either that didn't sit so nicely with me, Steve. Yeah, it was a, an incredibly shit take, wasn't it? Um, in, in the midst of uh you know potentially world war three he's trying to trying to shoehorn a keyword into his tweet um and it's incredibly uh it's very distasteful i thought um i think the people of ukraine have far more things on their plate at the moment than wondering if uh, free trade uh, is going to come on their shores so Mm. i think that one's definitely a markdown on the report card as can do better and probably should have done better um yep on to the negative news, really, though, because uh, that wasn't it. 
um, Free Trade are also introducing share lending, um, which uh, was one of the things that Trading 2 and 2 introduced last year uh, as an additional revenue stream. And they got a lot of flack for the way that they introduced it. Basically, it was uh, a bit of my way or the highway. Um, you, your shares are being lent, um, providing they're not in an ISA, uh, if they're in a SIP and if they're in a GIA. And it can be lent and free trade uh, have also introduced share lending and they've done a nice wordy page about uh, um, what it what it entails and what they're going to do and uh, by the looks of it they're also not going to share any revenue with the user um, and they are also enforcing the terms and conditions through that you uh, you sign it or you um, you know off you go and uh, it's that bit that we don't really like um, I understand that it's a, an important way of generating revenue and uh, for what it's worth, there is another YouTube video that says free trade are in trouble. I don't necessarily agree with that. Although they are on funding round number 375. So it would be nice if they could start to pivot towards actually trying to make some money. Um, anything to add to that, Steve? I do wonder whether free trade will get a little bit of help from 212 having trod this path before them. I feel hmm. like uh, these guys are after a similar sort of market, which is sort of um, retail investing, probably not tremendously experienced, including me in that uh, category, by the way, uh, retail investing um, money. And I wonder whether 212 having had to talk through this and what it means and various YouTubers kind of, well, having takes of varying quality uh, on it, including us. Um, I wonder whether that will kind of help prepare the way for free trade a little bit to, to kind of get this one out there. That's it. The outrage is finished, I guess, is what we're saying on this, mm. isn't it? The, the outrage of, um, and especially, I suppose, with the sort of GME and AMC movement, who were probably the driving force behind the outrage, um, it's probably... It's, I, hasten, it's, <laughs> I don't want to say that movement is over, but it's definitely died down in popularity. Yep. Uh, okay, so moving away from, um, well, free trade for the moment in the UK news, we've got the earnings from Salesforce that we didn't talk about on the main show. We'll come to those in just a moment, but... When it's just us two, we like to uh, catch you guys, our audience, up with how we're doing in our competition against David Gardner with our samplers. Um, it's been a little while since we checked in on these, Steve. Uh, I think I was winning last time, mostly by not losing money at the rate that you guys were. How are things now? You are not winning. Um, oh. But I don't really think we could class any of us as winning. Um, oh dear. So uh, just to sort of let the people know, um, we did a five-stock sampler. Um, David Gardner picked his last ever five stocks for The Motley Fool. We regard him as definitely being up there with um, one of the best growth stock pickers around. And we thought, what a perfect way to sort of test um, whether we could, we could beat him. And at the moment, and I think he'd be the first to tell you, he has picked five stinkers so i will just quickly run you down the five. portfolios um okay uh well four stinkers uh <laughs> and the trade desk um but he his portfolio oh. consists of peloton trade desk yeah. axon enterprise unity software and zillow group and he yeah. so in my head peloton and zillow were in deep deep trouble and likely to lose him the competition by themselves but i thought the other three might be doing all right yeah, so uh, and Peloton is down 78%. It's turned the £2 we put yeah. into, into, into 44p. Um, <laughs> Trade Desk is up 11%. Uh, 
Axon Enterprise is down 16% and has a pending litigation against it, which could make it go down even further. It could be forced to split itself in two, uh, which could be somewhat problematic. Uh, Unity Software is down 5%, and Zillow Group is down 53%. So that leaves him overall to be down 28.2%. It's quite a hit, hmm. Steve. Yeah, that's uh, not amazing. So Unity was only down five percent then, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that might have been doing well. I sort of, I thought I saw people talking about that quite a bit. Perhaps they bought it quite a bit later yeah. than Gardner did, or at some lower prices. Yeah. So we'll shuffle on to you, Steve. Um, okay. Just to remind you of what you picked, you picked Alibaba, mm-hmm. uh, PG and D. Yep. Aspen Technology. Yep. Renishaw. Hmm. And Roblox. Who do you think's doing yeah, the worst? I feel worst? good about two of mine as well, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think's doing the worst? Um, Alibaba. You'd be correct, yeah. Alibaba mm. is currently down 52%. Uh, PG&E, up 16%. Aspen Technology, up 9%. Renishaw, oh. down 11.06%. And Roblox is currently down 44.5%. So that leaves you down overall 16.62%. That's significantly more mixed than David Gardner's stuff, but also not good. Yeah, you're about half of the sort of half down half as mm. much as he is at the moment. Um, so in the lead, if we can call it that, or least worst, <laughs> is myself, and my portfolio consisted of Alphabet, Sartorius, Autodesk, Tremor International, and Scott's Miracle Grow. Steve, <laughs> any of them jumping out at you? Well, you were being sandbagged by Scott's Miracle Grow out of the gates, but it's been quite volatile since then. I don't think you're going to be in much trouble with Alphabet. Mm-hmm. Um, what's Sartorius been doing? Badly. Uh-huh. So, um, just to give you the rundown then, so Alphabet for me is up 11%. Sartorius is down 12%. Autodesk is down 23.5%. Tremor International is down 19.5%, and Scott's Miracle Grow is down 27%. That leaves me down mm. 14.1%. I think I'm winning by the virtue that I don't have one of those 50% pluses yet. Exactly that. You don't have a big loser uh, yeah. in there. And actually, I, I'd be doing all right if I only had one big loser. Mm. Uh, if Roblox had been kind of flat, I'd be in decent shape there. Um, but it is that one and Alibaba together that are, are dragging me and, and David Gardner's being dragged by a few for the time being. Um, I, think, I think we're, what, two-thirds of the way through a year now? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. So mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I think your two outliers are things that I wouldn't necessarily have you down as picking. So Alibaba and Roblox are probably your two outliers that I probably wouldn't see you necessarily earning in your own portfolio. PG&E, yes, Aspen Technology. Do you still do you own that at the moment? I do, yeah. And Renishaw, I can't remember what Renishaw do, to be honest. But they, uh, they sort of 3D print type stuff. Right. You said we had to pick a UK one. Right, okay. So te- <laughs> technically, PG&E and Aspen Technology are two stocks that I would see in your actual portfolio, and they're the ones that mm-hmm. are doing really well for you. It feels like it's when you've tried to go out of your wheelhouse a little bit here that you've picked some stinkers. Yes, I've tried to diversify somewhat, and I thought, well, what if growth does well? Um, and I pretty much guaranteed myself second place by spreading things out, I think. Because mm-hmm. I'm realistically, I think I'm likely to win if value wins on this, and I'm likely to come last if growth goes mad, unless mm-hmm. uh, something drastic happens to either Peloton or Zillow. 
Hmm. That's fair enough. Okay, um, let's leave that parade of red behind for the time being. Let's talk about Salesforce, uh, because we didn't on the show, and they reported their earnings pretty recently. So the numbers are in, and the numbers look pretty nice from what I can see of things. I got updates on my phone. I was busy teaching for most of today, um, but I saw one upgrade had come in and one downgrade had come in, which was interesting to me. Uh, but their revenue for the quarter was $7.33 billion, which is up 26% uh, on the same year, uh, same quarter previous year. Uh, their revenue for the year was $26.49 billion, which is up 25% over the previous year. Their EPS was $0.84. Cents. Uh, it was predicted $0.74. I'm not particularly drawn to either of those numbers, to be perfectly honest. The EPS at Salesforce isn't. Tremendously important, and nor is what a bunch of analysts thought it was going to be either at this stage, I think. Um, but 26% up, 25% up. Uh-huh. This is a big company. It's doing pretty well, Steve. It is doing very well, yeah. We were looking at some stats um, that showed Salesforce's growth over the last um, 10 years, and it's been incredibly consistent. Back in back in 2014, Salesforce was doing $4.1 billion of revenue, which is already a very big company. Um, since then, and if you're taking their guidance um, into account for 2023, which is the year they're going into now, they'll have 8x that revenue uh, in 10 years. So from 4.1 billion, they are guarding uh, for 32.1 billion. So that's a pretty hefty increase. And uh, yeah, I think Salesforce is a a really, really interesting company. Mm. There's a lot going on under the hood, isn't there as well? There is. One of the reasons we're not particularly looking at earnings at the moment is because Salesforce are doing that thing that all other big sort of techie sort of companies are, is that they're kind of sh- like shoveling their earnings into other places. And uh, something caught Stephen and I's eye the other day. Uh, Salesforce has its own venture fund, and uh, they've been buying into some of the biggest companies around, uh, both sort of like present and future. Um, and I've got a little rundown of what they've been buying. Um, Steve, anything to add on this before we pick, pick into the list? Fire away. Okay. So we was looking at stuff that's pre-IPO at the moment, and we spotted on the list, and it's a, it's, there's a lot more to this than, than just the list that we've picked out. If you go to Salesforce, um, Google Salesforce Ventures, you'll find the page, and it is a laundry list of, of the who's who of tech companies. But um, So they have investment in Automatic, Automatic on the WordPress and uh, WooCommerce, which you may have uh, come um, come into if you've done any kind of web design or something like that. They're they sort of like uh, anti-Shopify, anti-Wix, anti-Squarepace in competition with them. Um, they also own Databricks, which recently got a $38 billion valuation. Hopin, $8 billion valuation. Stripe, $100 billion valuation. And in companies that you may have heard of, like Crunchbase, Evernote. I pulled Go Cardless out of the list because Tom Blomfield, mm-hmm. who's just left um, as CEO of Monzo, that was his first company founded in 2011. Um, and then also there's a list that's acquired or IPO. Now, some of these are companies that... Um, that they've acquired, but here's some companies you may have heard of. Um, Anaplan, Authy, which is now owned by Twilio, uh, Box, Cloud9, Dropbox, HubSpot, MongoDB, I own this one, this is Document Databases, Encino, uh, they were an IPO last year, they do uh, financial uh, software, MuleSoft, which is something that Salesforce actually bought themselves, uh, Robinhood, probably the less said about that, the better, 
Snowflake, <laughs> Survey Monkey, Twilio itself, and Zoom. So there's just a few that we plucked out of the list, but you can already see that Salesforce has got a pretty decent little armory there of um, of, of companies that they've invested in. It has, and it's really helpful for someone like me when I think about Salesforce. I mean, I said this learnings number doesn't really mean very much at the moment, and that's true. Um, but I find it hard to value stuff where the earnings number doesn't really mean very much. You have to kind of guess at margins and you have to kind of guess at when that cash is going to come through. Uh, and it's difficult to be precise about that. So what you're looking for from my perspective valuing this is for a valuation that means that it doesn't really matter if you're wrong quite a bit. So if you think it's going to be three years of profitability and it's five, or if you think it's going to be kind of five years and it turns out to be 10 or something like that, you want things that are going to kind of help ensure you against money not coming through at the rate you thought. And Salesforce has a 207 billion market cap, I think. Uh, working out what kind of stake they own in stuff like Dropbox and Stripe and all these other things, which it's not going to add up to 207 billion, I'm pretty sure of that much. But those kind of things that just help chip away at that kind of valuation and help you to see, okay, this is what I'm laying out today. Here's what I'm getting back immediately. And then I'll start figuring out all the stuff um, about their uh, various sales and marketing and so on, clouds that they have. Um, I think that's really helpful from a kind of valuation perspective for me. Yeah, I'd agree. And I'm just quickly pulled up fast graphs while we were talking. And um, mm -hmm. I've just had a quick look through and... Uh, as far as I can see here, Salesforce has pretty much traded uh, a price to sales of between six and eight for as far back as you uh, as you want to look at it. Really, uh, sometimes it's a little bit higher than eight. Uh, sometimes it trades up to uh, eleven and what have you. But when it's tracking its uh, price to sales line, this is pretty much your eight line, uh, eight point three one, and it tracks it as tightly as Google and Amazon track EBITDA. So I think a lot of companies are struggling with the same thing that we're struggling with here, a lot of investment companies. And I think price to sales is probably a half-decent metric for getting a grasp on where Salesforce mm. should be. I would definitely agree with that. I would look at Salesforce and eight times sales. Then you can start trying to make intelligent ideas about margins and yeah. what their margin will be when they're at scale. So if you think... 30% margin, that's high, but it's not that high for a tech company like this one. You're looking at sort of 24, 25 times earnings or something like that, I think. Mm. Um, that Well, you can judge how that sounds to you, right? I mean, it's 24 times earnings, you have to wait for it, but this company is currently pushing its revenues forward at 26% a year. Um, so you can make those kind of calculations, right? In five years, if this thing grows at another... 20%, 15%, 25%, 30%. You choose your numbers here, stick a margin onto that, and say, look, that's going to be my business return from the earnings. Uh, it's there to be done in a certain way. And then you can have all of this kind of stuff on the side, your Dropbox, Anaplan, so on, so forth, MongoDB, all the rest of it as a kind of nice little extra because looking at those things, uh, adding up their market caps and the stakes that Salesforce has in them might add up to quite a big number. don't know where those companies' market caps are going, uh, of course, in the near or short or long term. But um, I don't suppose Salesforce does either, but they're, they're useful things to have around. Yeah, agree. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I think that's pretty much everything that we've got for this particular midweek footsie. Thanks so much for listening, um, and we'll see you on the next one, hopefully with Paul back with us.